0: And for the fourth, fifth, or sixth time, I have lost count by now. I have the pleasure of speaking with Stephen Kleinedler, who is a supervising editor for American Heritage Dictionaries, and uh, one of the people responsible for their newest publication called 100 Words Almost Everyone Mispronounces. This is part of a whole series of best-selling books that are relatively modest in in size, but which uh, pack a punch in terms of helping us do a better job of using the English language. And uh, Steve Kleinedler, can we begin with a quick rundown of the other books in this series which precede it?
1: Certainly. Uh, Thank you for having me on this morning, Greg. Um, We started about six or seven years ago with A Hundred Words Every High School Graduate Should Know, which actually began life as a poster that we uh, used to help promote the American Heritage College Dictionary at uh, various uh, conventions and book uh, events and whatnot. And it it had so much interest in the poster that we turned it into a book, which uh, led into 100 Words Every High School Freshman Should Know. Uh, We had 100 Words Almost Everyone Confuses and Misuses, 100 Words Every Word Lover Should Know, 100 Words to Make You Sound Smart, and 100 Words to Make You Sound Great, and 100 Science Words Every College Graduate Should Know. So this would be, I believe, the eighth in the series.
0: Very good. They have really been interesting. They've been fun for me to read, and uh, I'm sure they have proven to be helpful to people who have taken the time to to digest them. It's funny, I think about a couple of different uh, books in this series and always think of downtown Manhattan because uh, the last couple of times I have visited there, I've always wanted to have a a book with me to read in case I got stuck on a bus a little extra or... or, uh, waiting for my wife at some particular rendezvous point and these these books are so easy to carry around with you and uh so so for them that they're always going to sort of represent uh trips to New York and uh being on the run and yet uh, wanting to make good use of those little shards of unexpected free time which sometimes come our way
1: right um it's and you know uh, they're great for you know air travel that kind of thing um you just because you don't have to read the the book straight through uh, one to one hundred. You can pick and choose and jump around, and it's uh, designed to be browsable. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why we created this series. Is um, you know, in the old days you'd go to the, you could go to the family dictionary and you know go to a page and get lost in the page and learn things about um, different words. People don't really do that anymore. So in essence, what these little books do is browse the dictionary for you. Hmm.
0: So tell us a little bit about the uh, genesis of this particular book and uh, what led you to think that, that this was worth putting together.
1: Well, out of all the books in the series, by far the best-selling one has been The 100 Words Almost Everyone Confuses and diffuses. Um It's gone through more printings than any of the other ones. It's the one we get the most uh, feedback from. Uh, people like to know that they're doing something correctly. People like to know that their friends are doing something incorrectly. Um, and as much as I try to convince people that, you know, you don't want to be boorish and correct people on the spot, people still like to know that they're right. Um, and because of that, uh, and we have, and because we also have a very rich usage program within the American Heritage Dictionary, and that there are, uh, so many usage notes that deal with pronunciation, and a few years ago we brought out a, uh, guide to, uh, style and, a guide to style and something else uh, usage And um, there were a lot of pronunciation notes there. We had a lot of material that we could pull together for this book. And then um, for words that we knew there were pronunciation issues, Uh, uh, the editors here crafted new notes uh, about them to explain what was going on, why people were mispronouncing them, or why people thought different pronunciations were correct or not, and so forth.
0: We. Probably, uh, I think a lot of us sort of imagine a bunch of you sitting around a big table and hashing out exactly what word should constitute this uh, this list of 100. I suspect it doesn't quite uh, happen like that.
1: Interestingly, we rarely all sit around a big table to do that kind of thing, but with these books, usually at least once in the process, um, we'll have come up with a bunch of uh, possibilities and send them to a central person who will then distribute the entire list, and often we w- we will actually get together to meet face-to-face around a table to discuss some of it about once during each uh, production process for each of those books. It's about the only time we actually do that, but it's it gets to be pretty fun. I'm
0: guessing that you faced a particularly tricky challenge with a list of 100 mispronounced words or 100 words where the pronunciation is in doubt. That's probably the best way to actually title this book, although it wouldn't fit on the cover quite as well but that that's really what this is this list is about just the fact that from various regions of the country you're going to have uh some understandable variation in how words are are pronounced
1: right The, the issue in this book isn't so much regional variation because in um the system that american dictionaries uh, record pronunciation unlike in continental Europe and Britain where they use the IPA where each symbol has one and only one sound. Uh, American dictionaries usually key uh, sounds to a charter table and so how you might pronounce um, the letter O, a short O, uh, will vary depending on how, for example, you pronounce the word "pop." whether you say pot or pot or pat, because um, it's, it's keyed to a key. So the, the the differences are gonna be less regional and more um uh wide ranging and and as you suggested uh with you know that longer title that is the case. Some of the words here there's a cut and dried right and wrong. Other words there is a more traditional more traditional pronunciation and a newer one has also become acceptable. And in some cases the uh secondary pronunciation has overtaken the first one and is now con more widespread, but both are right. So there, there's, a, there's a lot of um, different scenarios going on, and we try to have examples of all these uh, different kinds of phenomena that are going on.
0: One thing that surprised me, actually, uh, particularly given the book's title, is that really, in so many, many cases, you end up reassuring us that one can't be wrong, uh, that that any of the variations that we hear are all to varying degrees correct. I mean, for instance, long-lived or long-lived. Correct. I mean, some people really will argue vociferously about that, and ultimately the verdict that you render is that either of those is acceptable and correct.
1: And that one is based uh, on balloting of our usage panel. Um, the American Heritage Dictionary has had a usage panel of roughly 200 members. Uh, obviously, that shifts over time because it's been, um, we've had it for over 40 years now, almost 45, um, where we uh, ballot uh, Certain writers and journalists and linguists and other people uh, who uh, deal with language for their living, and we gauge their reactions to these words. But for every long lived, long lived, or every affluent, affluent, where we say that, okay, you know, but one might be more traditional, but this newer one is also okay. There are also plenty of words where we are very clear cut. For example, mischievous is mischievous, mischievous is clearly wrong and not acceptable. Or um, epitome is epitome, and epitome is completely incorrect. So again, it depends on the word. Sometimes these upstarts uh, are considered acceptable; other times they're not. And in some cases, as with daiquiri, uh, the non-traditional pronunciation has completely overtaken the original traditional one. And in the case of uh, daiquiri, no one really recalls or remembers that the drink was originally called a daiquiri. <laughs>
0: One of the things you're you're hinting at is that there is often a fairly involved story behind the, the, the confusion of of pronunciation. That often a word is being borrowed from another language, or there is some sort of specific pathway which a word has followed from an original pronunciation to to another. And uh, one of the things that is probably most interesting and helpful about this book is that. You try to chart that course for us.
1: Thank you. Yes, each each word has its own story. Um, each word here is accompanied by a note that explains some of the processes that uh, processes. I'm sure I botched that one. Some <laughs> of the processes that went along. Uh, we actually talk about the plural of process, I believe. Uh, yes, um, and um, the uh, what's interesting. You mentioned Anglicization, uh, where you can take a word like pina colada or pina colada, uh, the pina pronunciation is more authentic to the Spanish, um, but if you're in an area where Spanish isn't uh, spoken much, one might never hear the pina and say pina colada, and, you know, both are fine for that reason, whereas uh, a giro or a hero or a gyro, uh, you know, if you're going to a Greek restaurant and order, the, the degree to which... One, anglicizes depends on so many uh, social contexts that, um, you know, it's hard to say this is right, this is wrong, this has become completely anglicized, this will never be anglicized, that kind of thing. Right,
0: things do change. Mm-hmm. Um, some things caught me off guard. For instance, you say that the word is divisive and that divisive is not correct. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I've heard some fairly intelligent right. people uh, pronounce it divisive. And...
1: That has come up um, uh, fairly recently, um, whether or not that should be considered, I believe, on our next usage uh, b- uh, ballot that we send out to the usage panel. We will be uh, questioning that uh, exact question. Um, yes, the uh, traditional pronunciation is divisive. Um, as of yet, uh, we don't show divisive as a, uh, an acceptable variant, but that may change depending on... Uh, uh, how this ballots. Um, it, 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 it it, it's, it's it, you know, again, another example of how English uh, shifts over time.
0: Sure. Well, I, I'm happy to say I've always pronounced it divisive, but I must say I've always said detritus when you tell us that uh, the way that is actually properly pronounced is detritus.
1: Yes, uh, detritus. Um, it, uh, there, uh, there's an interesting note there that talks about vowel length in Latin and how certain, uh, words, uh, when they, uh, were brought into English, the, the stress shifted and others don't. So there's, there's actually a reason for that, uh, that it's pronounced detritus. Um, and, uh, this is probably another, this may actually be another word that is going to go out on our next ballot, which I don't happen to have in front of me. But, um, yeah, so uh, another interesting, you know, fact about English, uh, the different reasons why, some words change one way and others don't
0: remind us about this balloting procedure that, oh, that you've mentioned right. now a couple times
1: uh, beginning in the 60s um, the, uh, the editorial staff at the American Heritage Dictionary ha- would, will compile a, uh, a, a usage ballot some of the issues are pronunciation others are more grammatical um, you know how they feel about uh, their you know, word choice uh, precipitous versus precipitate flout versus flaunt that kind of thing, um, and we'll give them sample sentences, and we'll ask them to rate uh, whether or not they think they're acceptable. And then we'll take all the information and tabulate it. And in some cases, I believe uh, "impact" as a verb uh, is a good case where we've you know we've asked this in the '60s, and the '80s, and now, and you can see how the um, how, how how perceptions and attitudes towards a, a given issue has changed over over the years. Um, it's it consists of, uh, uh, English professors, linguistic professors, journalists, writers, novelists, um, some scientists, um, people who, uh, ha- who use English in, uh, as part of their job, whether, you know, they're writing court briefs or they're writing novels. I like to say we have everything from Antonine Scalia to Erica Jong. So that's a pretty wide range of, uh, people who are commenting and, uh, giving us their opinion, and we use that as a basis for some of the decisions we make.
0: I want to ask you about uh, a couple of words that I hoped would be in this book but, but weren't. Okay. <laughs> One of them that especially intrigues me is the word uh, that we spell A-S-K and that most people say is ask. Right. And, of course, uh, particularly uh, a certain segment of the, pronu- of the uh, population is, is likely to pronounce that instead as ax.
1: I love talking about this word um, because uh, especially, the, the, especially with people who, who are really in, insistent on this because actually the original pronunciation of this word a thousand years ago was ax and um, uh, axian versus askian. And the people who switched, who metastasized the two consonant sounds to ask were the uh, upstarts and looked down on. And Lovely. slowly over time, the SK pronunciation became the common one. Um, There's there's the the, uh, KSSK metathesis is a really common uh, metathesis in the development of English. And um, so, yes, technically, theoretically now, it is uh, ASK. Uh, But it is interesting to note that it started its life as Axe. Interesting. Yes.
0: And while I'm not one to indulge in the uh, piña colada, I was interested to read about its pronunciation. But I was sure hoping in these pages that... uh, you would clear up once and for all whether that delicious appetizer so many of us order is bruschetta or bruschetta. Ah.
1: <laughs> right. um, the similar, actually, if you look up the uh, note at Maraschino for the Maraschino cherry, ah. the same thing would pretty much apply to that. Um, I say bruschetta um, because that's the more uh, Italian pronunciation. But um, let me see what we say at Maraschino. Um, it's it's the exact same thing going on. Um
0: so that's um
1: Yeah. Uh Maraschino is Italian. Uh the the S C H would be ska rather than sha. Um although Maraschino is acceptable, uh Maraschino is the more Italian sounding one and the same thing would go for Bruschetta.
0: Finally, the uh the the only moment when I felt like taking the book and throwing it across the room <laughs> was uh when we got to uh, word number seventy one. O-F-T-E-N, ah, yes. which I rather fervently believe should be pronounced often, although I, I can't really say why. Uh, it's always rubbed me the wrong way, and I've always been quick to jump to, uh, to uh, far-reaching uh, conclusions about uh, somebody's intelligence and, and how w- well-read they are, uh, if they would uh, pronounce that word often. You actually uh, tell us that, in fact, uh, both of these are perfectly acceptable and that people like uh, me need to get over it.
1: <laughs> Correct. Um, often, um, much like the words raspberry and handkerchief and chestnut, it, ha- it had a uh, constant sons that dropped out centuries ago. Um, in the 1800s, as people became more literate and started reading, you know, were able to read more, um, the T the began to be pronounced because it was written there. Um, this happened decades ago, um, and it, it, it's, it's so long ago and so um, it firmly entrenched that, you know, it's, it's, it's actually considered correct as well often. Um, that, 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 that the, the pronunciation of the T has been around since at least the 1800s. And uh, unlike some things where um, elementary school teachers seem to be able to eradicate through constant vigilance uh, this is one item that uh, has persevered, especially in certain parts of the country, um, and is considered acceptable as a variant hmm. now that said, and we point this out um, there's there is there are a large group of people with a very strong point of view such as yours, uh, so that you know careful speakers who are aware of this will probably choose to say often only because uh there is a wide segment of the uh, population who are Vehemently opposed to the uh, uh, often pronunciation.
0: There are probably uh, better vehicles for our vehemence than uh, than matters such as that. But uh, be that as it may, it, it says something about the importance of language to us that uh, we sometimes become very, very attached to. Oh yes, uh,
1: the... people are uh, people get very passionate about what they uh, perceive to be uh, right and wrong and, and
0: protective
1: and protective. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, you're, uh, you're in Milwaukee, correct?
0: Right, just south yeah. of Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, and I, I lived in Chicago for a long time. You'd be surprised how, um, irate, uh, people out east get when you say, uh, things like, are you coming with? Um, they, <laughs> they get really, uh, rankled and like, you can't say that. You have to say, you're coming with me or, you know, with, you know, whoever it is. But, uh, so there's certain things that are said in certain parts of the country that drive other parts of the country nuts.
0: I guess that's part of what makes us America, and, uh, yes. and part of what makes English language what it is. This book is called 100 Words Almost Everyone Mispronounces. It comes to us from the good folks of the American Heritage Dictionaries. This is a publication of Houghton Mifflin. And Steve Kleinler, I have enjoyed this once again. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, uh, Greg, for having me on. It's been fun.